I'm Mike Zapsik of I Sell Comics and Comic Book Men on AMC TV, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. The time has come. Join hands as we bring together our mystic powers. Cobra attack! Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 162. My name is Jay, the Jedi Ross, and it's time! It's our third annual Fan Expo Canada Extravaganza 2015. Kids, holy shit, are y'all ready? Uh, it's going to be good times. Lots of good friends coming up from Michigan this year. Mr. Jay Fosgett, Derek Becker of the Drug on Comics podcast. You know, he'll be potting with us a lot. Mr. Josh Werner. Also, all your regular favorite dandies. You know, uh, the Black Hole Hunter kids will be there. Uh, Ricky Lima will be there. I think Shane Amato will be there. Uh, who else going to be? Sean Daly. I might have just said Sean Daly, but if I didn't, he deserves mention twice anyways. So Mr. Goddamn Sean Daly will be there christian slater will be there i get to show my alabama tattoo like ah oh, cool man uh, i'm really looking forward to that so i'll be shacked up in artist sally with our good friend mr anthony Reckgazer, writer and creator of the first hero from action lab action lab will be there as well so we'll be hanging out around their booth it'll be very very good times so uh, I thought I'd bring you a little pre-treat, a little pre-game cocktail, if you will, just to get things rolling, to, you know, bask in the excitement of what will be four days of Fan Expo fandom madness. It's going to be good times. Uh, so here, tonight, a little treat for you. Sneak it in there. We'll make this just a, a super good time. Start September off right. Uh, I sat down with DC Marvel Dark Horse veteran. Master of the Inkwell, uh, Star Wars artist. Ladies and gentlemen, I chat with Mr. Mark McKenna. I met Mark two years ago at Motor City Comic Con and uh, got to know him through Star Wars because that's how I knew of his name. And uh, we've hung out at a couple cons since then and we've had a really good time. Mark's an amazing dude. He's really down to earth. He's really chill. He's very real. Uh, and he's good. He's good stuff. He's good times. He's uh, good to talk to. He's got some fun stories. You're going to hear about his time in the bullpens. Uh, whether it be on staff at DC or in the bullpen at Marvel, 
Uh, you're going to hear about some of the Star Wars that he got to work on. Uh, you're going to hear about how he got his chance in the world to draw the Batman, of course. And we talk a bunch about his Kickstarter for his comic book, Combat Jacks. You can find that on Kickstarter at Combat Jacks number three. So we have a lot of good fun times here uh, wrapping it up. So sit back, you comic freaks, and uh, get to know one of the guys who has done, I believe, over what? I think it's 8,000 pages, over 500 issues he's had his hands in of comic books over the years. So uh, as far as uh, the true grit, uh, that would definitely be Mr. Mark McKenna. Enjoy! Hey, Jason. How are you, sir? I am good. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me. I know you got a busy week coming up, yeah? Tomorrow it starts, yeah. I actually had to cancel. Um, I was supposed to do this uh, Kirby's birthday thing at the uh, Schmaltz Brewery over in um, Clifton Park, New York, which is over by Saratoga and Albany, but I just can't go. I've just been on the road so much between family vacation last week going up to Maine and then tomorrow I drive uh, 207 miles to Utica for a library appearance and then I go to a comic shop after that so one to three and then four to six and then I got a three and a half hour ride home and then I got to do it again on Friday um, Delaware County which is about 100 miles from here Um, and then you know and then the thing was going to be on Friday I blew it off, though. I feel bad about it, but I'm going to be up there again in Albany on Sunday. It's my brother's, my son's birthday. So no sense in me driving that 120-mile trip two times in three days. And I think I probably maxed out at about 14 or 1,500 miles in the last 10 days. So it's like a trip to Florida, you know? Oh, yeah. That's insane. That's like workhorse styles, you know? Have you you found, like, traveling's increased a lot for you since, like, the conventions have gotten bigger because I wouldn't imagine too much travel would have been involved in just the general work over the years. Eh? Oh, that's true. But the appearances are now where I'm making my money. So, um, Oh yeah, sure. Like, you yeah, know, it's, it's I, almost I, like a weird rock star thing, you know, now you're like doing the tour life and grinding it out. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I didn't think about it, but that, that, that is it. Um, I remember speaking to a, uh, children's book author years ago and he said, when you go on a road, that's where you make your money, you know, um, you know, on appearance fees. Um, and then, you know, if you make some money selling your books, that's just like the bonus money. But some of these authors have uh, guarantees, too. You know, um, they have if you go see them talk, you have to buy X amount of books from them or else you can't see them, you know, type of thing. Yeah, it's like a safety net, I guess, you know. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be fun, though, too. That's got to be really rewarding, you know, hanging out with all those kids all the time. The part, the, the part that is actually there, I love. It's the travel that I don't love. And I'm not big on airplanes. I'm not afraid of them. It's just that I don't like to, you know, bring all my stuff through the airport and just hold your breath and hope it gets there safe. Oh, yeah. And all that's, stuff, you know? Yeah, that's no fun at all. Are you kidding? No. And I got three appearances in September that are uh, Hartford, uh, Grand Rapids, and... Um, uh, Granite State Con up in New Hampshire. How do you so, choose them? Like, do you just kind of do they? Do you know? Honestly, just uh, they ask me. I look at my schedule and tell them 
you got to cover my hotel and my gas. They say yes. I, I say, okay, I'm open that weekend. Um, my wife gives me a little bit of a, a warning on, you know, what weekends we can't do, hopefully in advance. Um, yeah, but uh, I get the one where I gotta, I'm traveling to uh, Grand Rapids for, it's actually a game, gaming show um, called the Grand Con. It's 80% gaming and 20%. That's the one last year that, um, remember Dave, uh, Dave Dorman's wife went off on a tangent about cosplaying and how it's ruining the comic book careers. And, you know, well, that was at that show. But, yeah, and, you know, guys like Mark Brooks were saying how guys like Dave Dorman have to be relevant and, and do new prints. And, you know, and, I mean, I was there with Dave. He looked a little dour and unhappy. He didn't look approachable, certainly. And um, he didn't have anything new. You know, meanwhile, I had a limited print, a Rocket Raccoon print for the show. I sold them all out by Saturday. You know, I'm friendly enough, and I had all the local artists hanging out with me all weekend, and we went to um, karaoke one night and played pool and uh, had a great time. So they wanted me back because they felt I was a good advocate for the show. Well, that's so, you know, yeah. that's that's what's great about you. You're always, I mean, I think what we've hung out at probably like four or five cons at this point, and you're yeah. always having a good time. You know, you're always wanting to, you're always interested in what other people are doing and stuff. You know, there's a lot of people you see just heads down drawing and they barely got two words for you, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the um, the thing I hate the most is I probably drew more in Boston last month than I have in years. And I hated it because I couldn't be social. I had to get the work done. You know, and, you know you're thinking about the almighty buck being, you know, versus, you know, having a fun time or enjoying the, you know, the, the people that are there to see you, you know, and I couldn't do it, you know. Well, if you're going to go through the stress of bothering to do all this travel, it might as well be an enjoyable time on top of getting paid for it, you know, right. I mean, absolutely. you know, it's, uh, it can be stressful just going to visit these cons like I do, you know. You're 100% right, Jason. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, did you, did you work a lot, I assume, out of the DC building in New York then? I didn't work on staff. I went up there to um, see my editors once in a while. And when I was playing softball with DC, because um, Marvel and DC both had softball, you know, teams, and uh, we'd always go up on whatever day of the week it was early, hang out there, and then go off to Central Park to play games. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I was more comfortable, honestly, at the at the Marvel offices, even though DC um, brass treated us better. Um, the Marvel offices were, was my home for two years. You know, I was on staff in the bullpen. Yeah. So I was very comfortable there where I never quite felt that way. Yeah, because the thing with DC was very corporate feeling. And Marvel was, you know, rubber band fights and giant aluminum foil balls and <laughs> just mayhem, you know. Yeah. But, it must have been a little sad to see uh, see the office close, though. I mean, even Marvel had a few nice things to say about how they were going to miss now that DC has moved out of New York over to L.A., you know? I Yeah, I hadn't been up there in years. I remember John Romita Sr. used to say to me, make yourself be known. You know, Get in their face. Let them know you're there. But, you know, you go up there to close the door in your face. <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, they don't really want to see freelancers. They don't want to deal with us. You know, they don't want you to solicit your art. It's, it's a different beast, you know? I feel bad for kids today, yeah. You kind of jumped around a lot, though. Like, you'd be on staff, and you were freelancing at times, no? Like, Well, I started on staff in 85. Are we are we all live now? Are we running? Oh, yeah, we've been talking for a while, yeah. I, I figured it, seven minutes in, I wasn't sure if this is pre, prequel stuff, you know. Um, no, no, we just, uh, I always just chat away. It always feels much more natural and relaxed yeah, that way, you know? totally, Jason. Um, And staff in 85, 
and stayed there till about halfway through 87. When I went, I don't know if you know the story, but I was at Marvel and DC was about three to seven Park Avenue South was Marvel and DC was, um, 666 Broadway. And I used to, on my lunches sometimes, go from Marvel to DC to show my samples at DC because Marvel wouldn't really hire me for books. I was always a production guy when I was there. And honestly, I wouldn't have hired me either, right? You know, you think you're good, but you don't really, you know, it's hard to be objective about your work right. when you're uh, in the middle of it, you know, but DC, I went over to, I went over there one time to go see uh, Joe Orlando, who was the special projects editor um, at lunchtime. And he happened to not be in the offices. So uh, I was in the offices just walking around and nobody was there. It was weird because everybody was out to lunch. And um, I, I heard a little bit of noise in one of the rooms. I stuck my head in. It was Karen Berger's office. Karen Berger was the group editor um, at the time for a lot of the mainstream DC books. Now she, I think she runs the um, the horror line, um, Vertigo line, I believe. I'm not sure if she's still there. Right on. But she took my samples, and then the next day she called me and offered me Dr. Fate. Um, and I just quit Marvel. Like, and then and it got really awesome because I was under contract for four years at DC doing Dr. Fate, doing Patrol, Legion. Yeah, you, you did know, a uh, lot of Legion, eh? I did um, – Four, you know, my longest runs on any books are 14 issues. I did uh, issues four, the first Lobo issues, on Legion of 89 and 90, and then uh, I think to issue 18. So that's about 14 issues. Right. That, um, that's what's so great about your career, though. Like you've been able to like jump around and draw everybody or ink everybody. You know, it's, you know what people say that. What do you haven't worked on? But honestly, I, the one thing that is kind of like a bane to me is that I don't. You know, people don't recognize me from a single run that, that I did. You know, um, they might because I was in exiles for the first 12 issues, went away and came back around issue 36 to 37 and then was on the book, off the book, you know, with Califuri, you know, and Macomb before that uh, throughout issue 90 something, you know. So that was my probably most on off run. And then Doom Patrol, I had issue 36 to 44. Five, something like that. But if that was my 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 one thing that I feel you know bad about is that I don't have that. Um, like you know Bagley did. Like I don't know how many issues of Ultimate did he do in a row. Like, I don't have that kind of calling card. Um, well, it, but yeah, you kind of do on like a, a smaller individual scale because as much as you've done and as as many comics as I've read, you can't be familiar with any everybody. But I knew you from Star Wars, and you did what? Three or four issues, or uh, issues? I two, yeah, I did um, the, the two Old Republic series. One was the Blood of the Empire, which is the web comic, right? Yeah. And then they collected that, and that was um, seven pages every other week for twelve weeks. I ended up being eighty-four pages, and then the uh, the Lost Sons was um, one hundred and ten pages over five issues, so twenty. 22 pages an issue, and then I did helped on the purge, which started that whole thing. Oh, I remember you. I remember you liking the Star Wars stuff back when we first met. Yeah. Well, that's how I knew you, and uh, you had done. Uh, I think the, the recent one I had known is I think you did an issue of Night Errant in like 2010 or something. I did a cover. Yeah, I did the uh, variant cover. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, no, it was fantastic, and and that's why I wanted to talk to you when I first went to Motor City. Right, and that's it right. was in talking to you at Motor City that I was like, okay, I've completely underestimated who this individual is. Oh, but. you know what? I get that, though, and, and there's never a hard feeling about that because a lot of times, you know, people who read the Star Wars 
don't equate the guys unless you know them, you know, beforehand with the Marvel DC guys, you know. Oh yeah, it was the same thing for me with uh, Ostrander. I mean, yeah. all I knew about Ostrander was what I read of his Star Wars. I had no idea about Suicide Squad and everything. Sure. I never read Suicide Squad, right? So yeah, and didn't you work with um, Truman on a uh, Tim Truman on um, was it Grimjack or? Uh... Some stuff for first comics years ago. I, I don't remember. I know John a little bit, yeah, but I, I can't remember. If yeah, I... he's, he's jumped around a bit as well. But again, like, <clears throat> I only got to know a little bit was talking to him at last Motor City. But other than that, it was just because he wrote a lot of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm a big EU guy, right? Like, even now, it's it's still weird getting used to this new thing that's coming, you know? it's Yeah, yeah. You know, I sp- I've spent literally almost probably 20 years since the novels started coming out. Wow. And, you know, you get invested in this thing that you've loved and been passionate for so long. And then all of a sudden, one day, the mouse is like, yeah, no, um, none of that counted. <laughs> yeah, that's heartbreaking. And I know they hold um, a fondness in a lot of uh, fans' hearts. That stuff was well done when Dark Horse had it, you know. Oh, that's I, I'm I'm enjoying the new ones. Uh, the Marvel ones are, are cool. The stories are really neat. They're coming up with some really interesting ideas and twists. But I, I have to say, I think there's still Dark Horse. You guys, I think you still set a bar a little bit higher that they haven't quite reached yet. Oh, really interesting. Yeah. Well, it's also they they're stuck with the uh, photorealism, right? To a certain extent, like they've got to make them look like the actors. You guys weren't really stuck to that sort of thing. Well, right? uh, to be honest with you, uh, we did on the Purge stuff, you know, they had to be approved mm-hmm. through Lucas. But the Old Republic stuff, you know, Thousand Years, or EU stuff, you know, there wasn't a lot to grab onto because they didn't have facial recognition, you know. <clears throat> did uh, did the inking come, because your inking is very well known, and did that come from that like a natural talent that just kind of rose to the top or is that something you were like, I really enjoy inking. I'm going to practice at this and, you know, develop it. Uh, I imagine myself to be, a, you know, to draw comics at one point. I thought inking was a way to get in and that I would learn more to draw when I was inking, you know, so eventually it'd be a natural progression, but I started getting, um, so much work in the, uh, late 80s and early 90s that I just never took it to the next level. Um, and probably in 91 and 92, I was probably one of the most top three or five prolific anchors in the business because I was doing three, I was doing Punisher, Iron Man, and I think a Scarlet Witch miniseries all in the same month. Um, I would never, it was hard to turn work down, you know, always taking stuff on. You walk in the offices, there was so much product available to be, to be, um, you know, asked to do that, you just walk in and they'd say, "What are you doing now?" And I'd say, "Uh, nothing." And they'd say, "Come on, I got a back, you know, got a backup in a Silver Surfer annual, or I need I need help on Thor 400." You know, I did a a Warriors three backup in Thor, right. or did the um, Thor annual, the Annihilus uh, something or other uh, conquest or something. You know, I got the Incurb Trimpy. That's amazing. You know, <laughs> on a Thor annual. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. I was nervous, you know, because I was reading Herb Trippy comics in the 60s and 70s. So for me to work with the guy is pretty freaking awesome, you know. So who are some of or your heroes Starling, that you you've know, gotten? Who are some you know, people like stuff, but, um, who are some people you really respect that you've gotten to ink over? Uh, 
Those two for sure. Uh, right. John Romita Jr. Um, on a few pages of Avengers. Uh, although I wasn't quite sure. I just, for me, it was more of, I, I wasn't, yeah, I think we we're of the same age. We're about the same age, so he wasn't there before me. But Jerry Ordway was one. I used to read his, uh, I think it was Infinity Inc. at DC. He had an inker named Mike Macklin who used to work with him, and I thought the guy's fantastic. And then I never saw Mike Macklin again after a year or two, but he was great. But then again, I, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't the inker I am now, so I might have thought he was better than what he was, you know, at the time. Right, right, right. But Ordway was one of those guys when they asked me to ink, um, Ordway on, uh, some maximum overdrive or something at Marvel. Uh, I got to do, the whole Marvel universe on a two-page spread. Uh, it was hard because <laughs> you know you had to make a deadline and ink like I don't know seventy guys. You know the Hulk and Namor and Iron Man. It's all of them were there. Can you churn more work out when you're inking? Like uh, yes. you know, it, obviously I guess right. Like you can take well, less not, time to ink I, something I, than dry, right? Yeah, you're not looking at a right. You're not looking at a blank page, and you're not having to break down scripts. Um, you're looking at something that's already existing and just having to understand how to approach it. You know, are there light sources? Are there, is there depth needed? Did the penciler separate the, uh, you know, the mid, the grounds, you know, the mid ground from the background and, um, what do you pop and what stays back? And, uh, did he draw the feet properly? And, <laughs> the, does that make sense? You know, and there's little things you can do to enhance them, but I'm most reluctant to enhance, uh, add to what a pencil did because a lot of times you left there on purpose, you know? Yeah, I always, I get intrigued by the inking because, uh, I, I, I kind of wonder, I don't know if this is a silly question, but have you ever gone to the extent of like, you know, where you're using like tool wise, like calligraphy pens and stuff, or like, am I just totally being like, pioneer thinking on that sort of thing <laughs> so I, I i teach when i go to these libraries i tell the kids they can use their shoe if it'll work you know it, it's um it's a means to an end you know you want the product to look a certain way and if you need certain tools to do to, to get that effect you need to use those tools um there are of course the, the staples in the business like the uh the windsor newton series seven number three brush or the two or the four I know I use those for years and then, you know, the companies mess with the, um, you know, the, the, the hairs on the brush or the metal in the pen points. And there's always something, you know, that messes up. So you try, you hate doing it. And I'm a dinosaur in the respect that I'll use what I've used for 30 years until they take it away from me. And then I'll be like, now what do I do? And then I'll find something else, you know. Um, but I've used, uh, I've blown ink through straws. You know, to get like uh, cool planet effects, and um, I've taken uh, uh, gauze from you know band-aid gauze and wrapped it around a pencil, and used it for atmospheric effects and stuff like that. And you know, I'm not opposed to pulling out a piece of old-fashioned Zip-A-Tone that was popular in the '80s and smacking down a pattern to get a, a gray tone. You know, now yeah. colors do it on the computer now. You know. Have you dabbled in that at all? Like, uh, have you ever tablet drawn or? No, in fact, I was uh, some guy came up to me from one of the one of the companies in New York a few years ago and said, "We have a new uh, Cintiq, and you're one of the top guys in the business. I'd love you to come over and try it." And I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> I went and I hid, you know, so he wouldn't find me again, you know. <laughs> but uh, 
because I'm old school that way. I mean, I had to, at one point, Marvel told me that I was one of the few guys left that actually sent FedEx, uh, you know, pages through the mail. And I said, well, what's the, op- what's the other options, you know? And it was like, scanning them? <laughs> and I'm like, so I got to scan them? What does that mean? I got to go buy a printer. It's funny, when I was speaking to one of the libraries in Newburgh, New York, um, about three weeks ago, I had an adult class. I had, it was over 18, which is the first time I've ever had an over 18 class. I get a bunch of kids, I'm usually giving them lollipops, you know? And I had these uh, adults, and they were saying to me, like, so what do you do if you're not sending the pages? And I said, well, I have to scan them through my um, flatbed, flatbed uh, uh, printer. Um, scanner, printer, copier, and then uh, send them high resolution to the offices. Or I have to print them out on blue lines, you know, uh, blue ink, and then uh, ink them on that. And then they would say, well, isn't that an extra expense to you? And I said, absolutely, because we never pay for FedEx, right? We always have accounts with Marvel and DC. Uh-huh. But now that we have to pay, we have to pay for ink to print out the, you know, we had to pay for, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars for uh, a flatbed uh, scanner, you know, printer scanner, and then every time the ink goes down, you, it's out of our pocket. So Marvel and DC now are saving all that money and it's coming out of their our pockets, you know. Wow, I didn't think of it that way. I that's didn't totally, either. Yeah. It's my uh, raise my eyebrows, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, well, sometimes there's something to be said for the, for the old school methods and, mm. <clears throat> you know, getting things around like that. You're pretty generous with your inking, too. Eh? You like to help out the new kids because I've seen quite a few pieces that, uh, you know, you've helped out some other kids on their ink, uh, Kickstarters and stuff. I Yeah, I've always been that way. Um, in fact, one of my friends said that it's going to say in my, uh, my epitaph that, you know, he was a good guy and was never afraid to help, you know, always helped others. You know, um, I've gotten, I've given opportunities to people that if I couldn't get it, take a job, I would recommend people for it, you know, and I wouldn't even get the call back. And, you know, a lot of times the people I would help wouldn't even consider giving me an opportunity back. But I don't, that doesn't, you know, I hear from other people that's not right, but that doesn't mean well, I won't. I, I think won't you've, it. I think you're pretty safe because I know some of the roots as far as helping the new generation out, you've kind of laid down in the Michigan area, and there's something in the water going on in Michigan where there's this support structure amongst the up-and-coming artists there that is unlike anything I've seen anywhere else. I mean, you get you get around a little more than me, so maybe you have a different outlook, but I've never seen anything like the kids in Michigan, like... I know those guys. Uh, yeah, I think the guys you're talking about, Source Point and um, oh, all of them, Source Point, Travis McIntyre, Casey sure. Pierce, like Dirk Manning, all those kids. They're just I love all of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they're all fun. Um, they all they all know me. You know, I went over there. They were hanging out and they, they were drawing. <laughs> they were giving me stuff and giving. You know, they were drawing for me. And here, here, we drew this for you. And they, you know, they drew Combat Jacks pumpkins and. And, you know, Batman, they were handing me things. Hey, you know, well, you got time. Can you think you can ink this for me? You know, and then they keep it forever and stuff. And it was really nice. Um, I, I enjoyed all those guys. And uh, Travis has been helpful. I've been helpful to him, too, certainly. Um, you know, I donate when I can. I felt I was worried about his Kickstarter, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I donated at Boston. I said, listen, take, I, I forgot, 10 prints and sell them for 20 bucks each. You know, there's a couple hundred dollars there for you. You know, I think he sold all of them, too. So, um because you know, I'm I feel like I was invested in in supporting him because he's also going to be helping me and my uh, studio guys with uh, horror book that anthology that we're working on. And I know you spoke to him a little while ago, and he 
he was a little reluctant to talk about it only because um, it's not far along. But I have this little studio set up with a couple of local guys and I'm trying to create a, you know, a horror anthology so we all can kind of launch this project under our um, our virtual inks, ink, um, subsidy, you know, our, our, our name, our title, our uh, publishing company and then show other people how we do it in hopes that, you know, maybe somebody's got ideas or wants to back it, you know, we can produce product for them, you know. Um, so uh, that's something that Travis asked if I had anything, you know, that he would be uh, interested in, in, in helping support, you know, publish. So uh, we did a beautiful cover for him, a wraparound cover where uh, I did the big demon character. And, and the three other guys that are part of the studio did their monsters and uh, on the front. And my guys just did a giant um, montage headshot kind of releasing them and they, on, on humanity. And uh, it's going to be black and white interior. We were really hoping to try to get it out for Halloween, but everybody got busy at the wrong time. And at this point, I just want to get it done and look really good, maybe for early next year, you know? Yeah, sure. It's a uh, it's big time for horror right now. I've noticed a lot of cool horror comics coming out and thrillers and a lot of cool original independent stuff happening right now. Yeah. Superheroes aren't, aren't a thing anymore right now. Right. I mean, other than Marvel. Yeah. It's, uh, it's totally going the other way. It's, uh, but I mean, yeah, some of the stuff I've read has just been, did you read that, uh, wild bullets by, uh, Greg Henchman or, uh, Greg Wright? I don't, there's not even a comic shop near me, so I don't really know this stuff. He's uh, he's part of that Michigan Comic Collective, and uh, it's a really cool book where uh-huh. uh, it's about a family of uh, of like I don't know it's kind of hard to describe. Each member of the family is kind of like represents a different genre, mm-hmm. like the spy guy, the you know noir guy, blah blah blah. And then the, he had like I think it was four or five different artists each do a piece of the story from the perspective of each member of the family. So it's like five different styles, but they all like really mold well together. And oh, he wrote nice. all the stories and yeah, I had him on a bit ago and I, I really enjoyed that one. Oh, that's, that's one fun. of the ones yeah. that came out recently that I was just like, yeah, this is, this is good times. And there's so many good publishing companies that are up and coming right. and, you know, making names like boom and action lab. And, you know, it's yeah. uh, IDW is doing good. I know Image is is taking you know kicking ass now. Um, yeah, well, Image is uh, getting that TV money now. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, by the way, did you see Fear the Walking Dead? I did. And I I'm I'm confused. I'm <laughs> I I enjoyed it, but not as much as I'd hoped to. Like I didn't dislike it, but I thought I'd like it more. Yeah. I so. It's it's weird. It's very different, but I could see that where it might go will be fantastic. But I think there's kind of a slow burn happening. It's yeah. definitely a different a different kind of show, you know. Right. But uh, okay, I gotta ask you something. There was one more specific thing I wanted to ask you, but I think I may have asked you about this in the past. But uh, you can never ask this too many times, and then we'll get into some combat jacks talk. Yeah. But your first time working on the Batman. On the bat on Batman comic, yeah. Tell us about it. Pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, you got to give us more than that. <laughs> yeah, no. What happened was, um, you know, when we're talking about how I help young guys out. I had a, a bunch of assistants. I always wanted to get guys and uh, get them credited. You know, I sometimes I would get guys to do my buildings and stuff like that, and I would pay them 
you know, 20 bucks a page. Or I think we used to give them my, um, or what I used to get from when I worked with guys like Al Milgram and Vinnie Coletta and Bob Wyatt and Brett Breeding. I, I think we were getting about 20 or 25%. I think it was 20% of the page rate. So if the guys were getting, you know, a hundred bucks, you know, we get 20, you know, per page. So I was paying that for assistance. And, um, Two of my assistants, um, Mick Ray, who was inking Batman and Robin over Patrick Gleason, really took off. And uh, Mark Irwin, who uh, did, did a bunch of stuff for uh, Dark Horse. He was doing Alien Predator, and uh, I think he inked Green Lantern and stuff. And uh, Mick was inking Steve Lieber from, what was it Black and White? Is that the book? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or Blackout. Blackout it was, I'm sorry. Is that right? Or Whiteout? Whiteout. It's the one where they made the movie of it with um, up in Antarctica, and it was a murder mystery. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. No, but I know Steve Lieber. I know the name. Yeah, the movie. The movie. The book was called Whiteout. It was really nice. Um, so Steve was uh, asked to do Detective, and it was the original Detective book from 1938, I guess. You know. Yeah. Seven hundred and you know issue number seven hundred and sixty-eight. You know. Good and. Um, you know, I start counting numbers. I go, what is that? That's a book, you know. And Mick, my assistant, um, wasn't quite, uh, you know, sharp enough to, or, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, like wasn't well-rounded enough to know what to do with loose pencils. Okay. Um, so when that happens, a lot of times you cover your mistakes by, you know, things you don't know by splattering ink on top of it and, just kind of faking things that you don't know. You know, he had an eviscerated rat in one scene and uh, he didn't know how to do intestines and stuff. So he just started splattering ink and trying to cover things up, you know? <laughs> so he says to me, I don't, I know this is, this is tough. He goes, um, I, I, I'm a little bit leery about doing this book. He goes, I recommend, re- recommended it uh, to the editor, you know, to take you on. And I was like, Oh, great. And I get a call from Bob Shrek, you know? He says, we're looking for an anchor on, um, on Detective. You know, one jump on it. Steve Lieber and Greg Ruck is writing it, you know. And I said, hell yeah. I just, uh, I just, and I left, um, I was doing Exiles at Marvel, and I left to do, and at the time, I had this, me and McCone, you know, we're working for 10 years together. Uh, Mike Martz was the editor up there, and Mike and I go back to when he's been in my house for dinner, and he used to sell comic books at a local shop. And I got him a job as an apprentice up at Marvel, which is me doing stuff for little guys again, you know. <laughs> and um, he became a group editor, you know. Um, ironically, he was the editor on the X Men books and Exiles. And later on, about three years later, he was the Batman group editor at DC. But this is a time where I actually it was my time to leave Marvel and go do Batman. So I got to do uh, six issues, and then Jim Lee came on Batman, and then they did a whole house cleaning, and then I got handed my walking papers. Now it's a different world because now it's the um, it's the early 2000s, and they don't just take you from one book and put you on another book. They take you off a book and tell you, good luck. <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah, and that's yeah, a scary yeah. time. So at that same time, I think my father passed away in 2002. I lost my job doing Batman and uh it was just and it was just a crazy crazy time. So um I did six issues and then I was I think I was out of work for about six months and I was like crap this is weird. And then finally an opening came up and oddly enough Mike Martz pulled me back in to do um Exiles uh around issue thirty, thirty seven or thirty. Okay, good, because a Batman story shouldn't turn so tragic <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah right i know i know there's enough gloom in that book but uh 
It was uh, it was nice. So I think I did issue 769 to 775. I had my six, and then I got to do the Batman annual that year, um, which was a great coup for me because not only did I do Detective, I did Batman. I also did an issue of um, Tales of the Dark Knight and um, something else. I did some Gotham, Gotham Underground, and some Gotham Gazette. Is Batman dead? You know, they did a whole thing with Batman was alive or dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. part of some of that stuff, and they still, you know, reprint that stuff, and I still see royalty checks from time to time from, you know, countries that I wouldn't even know, you know, saw this stuff, you know. So, so yeah, that's my Batman story. That's that's just awesome, man. That's uh, it's the bat. I mean, that's just. It was. It was really good. I, I kept a couple of great pages from the book, too. I sold somebody the one Batmobile page. Probably never got enough for it, but... That's, uh, like, it's just, it was always, okay, when I was younger, like, you know, I, I draw here and there. Uh-huh. No, Nowhere near did I ever put, like, it's not a passion enough of mine that, you know, I put enough time in to develop or anything. So but, how, yeah. But you know when you're like 12, 13, and all you're doing is drawing comic books and copying all the sure. comic books you can, and that I just I couldn't stop drawing Batman's cape. Yeah, it's just uh, like it's the most iconic thing in comic books to me. Like yeah. that's also Batman versus Superman that's coming. Uh, I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. Like I think he just like paints portraits of movies. You know, I just think they're gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait. To see what that guy does with Batman's cape. Oh yeah, like, you feel, oh. you're feeling it. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling it insane. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I I've, I've had this blasphemous thought, but I think I may be more <laughs> excited for Batman than I am for the new Star Wars. Really? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I said before, I'm I'm an EU guy. Like for me, my Star Wars was the comics. Like yeah. I wasn't even a big into the movies when I was a kid or much. It was. When I, the books came out and, uh, <clears throat> you know, Tales of the Jedi and Old Republic and all sure. this stuff is what hooked me in. So now, yeah. even though this new movie's cool, I, I'm a bit of a prequel apologist. I got to see an army of Jedi, right? Yeah. So there there were certain things about the prequels that weren't that bad, kids. Um, you know, like right. <laughs> we got to see armies of Jedi. Yeah, and, you did. Yeah. You, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, But uh, <clears throat> yesterday. Yes. You decide, okay, I'm launching my Kickstarter. Launched. Today, the next day, what, you're a quarter funded? 25, 20%. I just hit 20%. Yeah, about 1,200 and change. Oh, fantastic. Now, this is for Combat Jacks 3, but uh, why don't you explain to the kids what the whole Combat Jacks sure. thing is about? Yeah. Um, Combat Jacks was uh, created when my son and I were hanging around the dinner table in 2012, and uh, it was something was on TV, maybe a horror movie, and I just looked over and I said, you know what, there's just not enough good pom- pumpkin monsters out there, you know? <laughs> and I kept thinking of, oh, I didn't really know anything. I, you think of pumpkin head, and he's not a pumpkin, he's just a big monster. And uh, You know, I didn't know the good, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. He has that whole scene where he's scared of a, you know, he has a dream where the pumpkin is chasing him, which kind of looks like a combat jack type yeah. of truth. Um and then it was something with uh, DreamWorks did with, uh, was it Monsters and Aliens uh, versus, I think, Pumpkins or Flying Saucers. And they did a whole thing. It was a cute. It was a short. And it was um, this uh, spaceship drops off or shoots a ray at a, at a pumpkin farm, a beam, you know, and the pumpkins break out of the farm. But they, on Halloween, and they actually are going after the kids' Halloween candy, you know. 
<laughs> but I had seen this, of course, later. I didn't. I never saw this stuff before. And I just had the yeah, idea. You know, you come up with the concept of alien pumpkins, and then you have to come up with a whole backstory, right? So I came up with the story of this uh, planet that gets knocked into our solar system. We called it Maya, and it gets knocked on the other side of the sun in the same trajectory around the sun as the Earth. So it's a heated um, atmosphere, and the pumpkins are the only thing that's indigenous on there. It's just sand and pumpkins, <laughs> you know. And pumpkins, I came up with the concept. I don't know if it's true. Create photosynthesis, right? Bre- breathable air, which again, I don't know. But well, technically, they're they're green leafage wood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, except I, I can I can say that as a as a certified arborist, I can say that. Okay. <laughs> so I got to start adding leaves, you know, over there. <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, you only could do so many stories about uh, other planets where you know, Earth is is digging in for some reason or other. I mean, Zord, was it Zordaz? Zordaz, the one with uh, Sean Connery. You know, they were looking for uh, mineral. Uh, you know. Um, ore or something like that on the planets. They were mining ore and saw the planets. And, of course, aliens, you know, the terraforming, terraforming right. the planets for overpopulation. So I came up with that idea. And these lifers, kind of like these uh, these lifers are over there creating this, you know, uh, uh, existence for future of Earth's overpopulation. I think I, I can't remember the year I even created it. I want to say it was uh, 2158 or something like that. But I'm actually going to open up the comic while I'm talking to you and look up the time. It's actually yeah. 2218, and they're over there creating, and they're dying. They're, they're disappearing. So we sent up this uh, squad of space marines. We call them the second squad. And uh, they get up there, and they don't really know these pumpkins are alive yet. They just think they're there. And then these things come to life and start ripping apart these uh, space marines. And I kind of wanted to do it as a one-and-done, uh, a 30-page, leave it alone, figure out how, how it ends yourself. And then um, I was speaking to Chris Ryle at IDW. He's the big wig over there. And he said to me, listen, if you do this as a four-issue miniseries, I'll collect it for you. You know, we'll put our, uh, we'll put our name on it. And, well, you just have to put the individual issues together because I won't pay for those. Oh, right so, on. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, now i got to make a bigger story. I'm not, a, I'm not a great writer. I was always a pretty good artist and a decent, you know, decent anchor. But I, I – um, Started thinking about making this a bigger story. So the second one we call um, Combat Jack's Return to Earth. And I cre- created a, a story where Farmer's Pete pumpkin, Farmer Pete's Pumpkin Patch is, uh, you know, a, a you pick a pumpkin place, which is the um, – in, back in set in 1975 in Pine Island, New York, which is about three towns over from me, and it's considered the UFO capital of the East Coast. Oh, really? Yeah, it's right here. Here it's Pine Bush. Um, so they have like UFO Week, you know, um, in the summer. <laughs> they have the the cup and saucer uh, diner, you know. I think it's kind of funny. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So I got you know. So I did I did the second issue where I uh, split split it between um, Maya and then Earth. But Maya's in the future, Earth in the past. So which is a little tricky to do. But we figured if we split it, would equal you know it's 32 pages. We did eight and eight sixteen. You know, in 16, 16, 32, we did eight pages here, eight pages there, eight pages here, eight pages there. So I went back and forth and told the story. Um, and what, what I what I really thought was fun was to have these uh, farmers, you know, and his sons, 
you know, go all medieval on the pumpkin's asses, you know, pitchforks, shotguns, you know, um, cow stampedes. <laughs> and um, on the planet, these guys are using all these high-tech weapons, and they're getting their butts kicked because the high-tech weapons, like the flamethrowers, are not killing these things, but actually melding them together into giant flaming two-headed pumpkin monsters, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So great. <laughs> and of course, I'm thinking the whole time 1950s rubber suited monster movie, you know. Sure, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sci fi movie of the week, you know, type of thing. Um, so now, the third issue, uh, I, I, you know, you, you always want to go a little bigger, right? You start with a, 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 a pumpkin, then you get a bigger pumpkin, then you get, you know, a pumpkin that pops the head off of a human and takes over its body, you know, and he's got a, you know, the farmers got as they do for sure yeah, they, that's <laughs> happening you know and then um uh i i then i start thinking broader as far as you know what if they were on this planet way before 1975 because you know these things are way laying in wait what if they were here in the 1790s and headless horseman is actually not brown bones pretending to be the headless horseman but is actually when he's fooling around you know on ichabod crane a pumpkin jumps off the top of the covered bridge pops Ichabod Crane's head off and then takes him over and starts chasing bomb bones. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, that's, 19, that's 1790s. And then I started thinking even bigger. I said, all right, in the, what about in the fourth issue? We, we create a giant uh, a pumpkin fighting a T-Rex. And what about if, if in prehistoric times an asteroid or the Ice Age didn't kill the prehistoric you know, uh, dinosaurs, but pumpkins did, you know? So, um, so why not? You know, I talked to Kelly Jones a little bit who did one of my covers. He said, you know what? Don't, don't edit yourself. I mean, have fun, be stupid, go crazy, you know? And that's what we're doing, you know? Hence, I guess the Cinderella thoughts. Right. Well, that's the other thing. And when I had an opportunity to talk to Tom Grimm Bancroft, who is, you know, an animator on Mulan and the Lion King, he's just unbelievable. I didn't even think he knew me, but when he found out I wanted him to do a cover for me, he actually said, Mark, I'm honored. I want to play in your playground. I'm honored to do it. I'll do it for free. And I said, I, I, I don't do free. I said, I'm a freelancer. I need to pay you something. So I came over at a pretty meager rate, and he was thrilled to have it. And uh, my only his only thing is he said, I want to ink it too. I said, all right, I'll, I just, but can I own the cover? And he said, absolutely, it's yours. So he did this cover. I came up with the idea of, you know, Instead of glass slippers on Cinderella, you know, glass combat boot. Um, I imagine that she had an Uzi, you know, uh, tied to her legging. But then I thought the rabbits pulling the gun over to her was awesome. And then the pumpkin coach has to be a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, yeah. It looks so good, man. It's beautiful, yeah. And Ula Moss from um, Poland, she lives in England now. She is one of my top two or three colorists. I use her, uh, Laura Martin, who's an Eisner Award-winning, fantastic and then a new guy I found, Ross Campbell, who also works for uh, Image. Uh, he's my go-to guy when the other ones are are busy. But I love all three of them, any one, any one of them, any given day. And, of course, the guy who's coloring the book for me, um, Blair Smith, is doing a really fast and yeoman job for me. Um, you know, sometimes I go back and ask him to do some stuff. But he's very good about that. And, uh, you know, he's hungry. He wants to, wants to work and wants to learn. And I, I dig it. That's great, man. It's nice to have a good team around you, and uh, I'm sure you know you can peg out somebody pretty easily these days of whether they got kind of what it takes or not for what you want to put down, right? Yes. True. So the writing did that since you ended up 
So he says, okay, make four. I'll collect them for you, mm -hmm. which means, okay, all of a sudden you got to write three more issues. Does that turn out to be a task or a chore, or do you end up having fun flexing those muscles? Or It's both, It's uh, but it is more fun than it is a chore. Um, I, I called in uh, Sam Eagleston. Sam was one of these timing things. I was – people were asking if I need help. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do it myself. I did six I don't write, but I don't know um uh, put ideas together and maybe not these projects. and the one thing I don't have is military background so uh and Sam doesn't know his stuff you know you know landing zones and l z s and all this stuff and he just he did a soft edit for me on the on the first issue and then he did a hard edit and I just loved what he did with the hard edit so I said, you know what sam i'm 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 gonna work with you, I'll give you credit you know um I actually credit him on the cover uh, to issue two, and I actually upgraded him from, um, I think, script editor to uh, co-writer now just because he's done so much. We sat together in Motor City last year, and uh, at dinner after after the show, we sat at, we sat at a table and just he took out a pad and we started hashing things out, and he came up with um, with pretty much everything I needed on the script. And you know, I'll, I'll touch up here or there, but he's solid, you know, and he writes his own stuff now. If anything, Sam has become a little bit more. Um, little less gun shy about doing his own product and he's doing his own stuff now and son of a gun he he did a couple of his books on kickstarter and both and they succeeded so he's he's off and running himself so i'm happy that again i was able to give him an opportunity to, to spread his wings a little bit and his wife you know kim edits the stuff and I feel real comfortable with all, everybody on the book right now you know that's awesome man that's a good place to be it's uh is is are are you on pace with the first two kickstarters or is this one kind of you know i think we're ahead of the game um i always know you know how they go jason the first couple of days you always get a lot of a lot of interest and then it, you go through the middle 10 or 15 days and you're never sure if you're going to make it you get nervous yeah i 20 percent. it's um i think it started about three o'clock yesterday afternoon so where are we about 30 you know 30 hours to be Twelve hundred dollars out of six thousand is pretty good. Um, I'd like to like wake up tomorrow morning and have twenty five percent funded. I feel real good about that. I do need to add more um, uh, pledge uh, rewards because I think I sold out all the sketch covers that I had and uh, a lot of the sketches. I need to. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle things here and there. Uh, my web designer. I did a piece for him. I did a Darth Vader. Boba Fett fighting stormtrooper zombies, and awesome. I did a limited edition for a comic shop on Star Wars Day, and um, we sold out of them. So, uh, I, I you know I want to honor or respect my web designer's um, wishes and not just sell them, you know, full color pieces left and right. So he said to me, "Why don't you make like five or ten more, and just uh, throw them up for twenty five bucks each, and that'll help." I said, "I, I want I want to just." respect you your wishes and not do that he goes no no, i want you to do it so i'll probably add that i just did a daredevil piece with uh ken marion that oh that just looks put up on so my Facebook. good thanks man and that's the first time that's going to be available is in a kickstarter um for 30 dollars, you can get two prints and a digital copy of the book you know and i'll mail everything to you right. except for the book a little bit email to you <laughs> and if five dollars more you can get a hard copy of the um, um, and I just I have a couple of the artists that I'm gonna 
I'm going to see a couple guys in uh, Hartford, Hartford, and Grants, and they'll probably do a couple pieces for me, and I'll offer those up, like Stephen Scharer, who uh, helps me out. We work together on a couple things. We, we did the My Little Deadpool pieces, you know, for the different conventions. Did you see those? Yeah, yeah, those are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, St- Steve was on for Up the River. Yeah, he's, he's a great kid. I like him a lot. Um, and uh, we connected, and um, he knows I'm a cash cow, so he ain't going to let me go anytime soon. <laughs> you hear that, awesome. Steve and I? Oh, I know. But um, just kidding. But he's been great, and uh, he's easy to work with. Uh, and he just uh, he's gun ho to do anything. I say, let's do this. He goes, yeah, okay, and he just goes that, which I really like too. Well, he sounds like he sounds like he makes wise choices then. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's cool, and people can find the Kickstarter just at Combat Jacks, right? I believe it's going up on my my uh, Combat Jacks or my um, dot com or my Mark Art dot com site. But you can also just go to the Kickstarter and search Combat Jacks, and it's number three. They'll all show up, but number three is the current one. And, and uh, uh, Tell people also, uh, where exactly can people get Banana Tales? Banana Tales uh, and Boonana Tale Halloween special. Halloween's coming up. Uh, it's available through the bananatale.com website. Or um, actually, I believe you can go to Amazon. It was through Comic Shop. I sold 1,100 copies through Diamond. Uh, last year, it was Trick or Treat Pick of the Month. It was nice. And four won't carry a book they've already solicited, so uh, I don't have the opportunity to do that again unless I do it a collection for them or a brand new book. But uh, you can go to bananatail.com or you go to you can email me and I'll help you out. Those are, those came out great. Um, and there's plenty of great Kickstarter rewards still. You know, uh, like the variant, you know, Cinderella cover, which is I'm going to keep to probably 100 copies, and um, I think they're doing very well for me right now uh, uh you know i have billy tucci variants that i still have that are black and white variant covers i have uh, a francesco variant cover that was done for a comic shop up in salem called harrison's comics i think i had about five issues of that left um and then the second issue i had the cynthia rothrock uh, variant cover which uh, she signed for three copies but they're already sold unfortunately um or fortunately but uh, I want to get her more involved, but I think she's got uh, interest in doing her own book now, so I'm not so sure she's going to go help me solicit all that much. And I love her to death, too. <laughs> well, you got a lot of great stuff going on, Mark, and uh, in your very, very busy schedule, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and uh, chat. It's always a good time chatting with you, sir. Thank you, Jason. I hope I see you soon. I'm sure you will. Uh, again, which, uh, where are you going to be coming up soon? So, uh September 12th, I'll be in um, Granite State Con in New Hampshire. Then the following weekend, the 19th, I'll be in Hartford. And then the 25th, I'll be in Grand Con in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Very, very cool. And hopefully not uh, this August, or sorry, this Labor Day, but next. Maybe we'll finally see you up Fan Expo way, huh? I need to get up there again. It's been every bit of eight, nine years, I think. Yeah, we'd love to have you come on up here. It'd be very cool to uh, hang out, especially if it's been so long. But uh, again, everybody go to uh, markmckennaart.com. Mark McKenna Art is on Facebook. Uh, Combat Jacks on the Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, what is it? It's at markmckenna419. That's my Twitter? Yeah. uh, Yeah. What's the 419? Uh, 
Uh, my birthday. Ah, I was born in right. the year 1919. So, ah, oh, very cool. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it, it was one number off of me wondering why it was one number off, if you know what I'm saying. So, oh. uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, very, very cool. Thanks again, man. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.